1: according to my meters. Are we broadcasting? Okay. Okay. Thank you. June Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I believe that America is Babylon, and that we are facing a time of great destruction in this nation. Many prophets are speaking today, and they're saying, "No." America is the land of promise, and God is going to restore America, and it's going to be the center of revival for the world. I don't think that can be found in the scriptures. I believe there are a number of places that tell us that America is Babylon. I want to share with you a a scripture about Babylon, I think it applies to America. It's found in Isaiah, the 47th chapter. Now then, listen, you wanton creature, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am, and there is none beside me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. Both of these will overtake you in a moment on a single day. Loss of children and widowhood. They will come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries or technologies and all your potent spells. You have trusted in your wickedness and you have said, No one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge mislead you when you say to yourself I am and there is none beside me disaster will come upon you and you will not know how to conjure it away a calamity will fall upon you and you cannot ward it off with a ransom a catastrophic event will will come that you cannot foresee It will come suddenly upon you. In the Hebrew, in Isaiah, the 47th chapter, these things spoken of, the catastrophe, the ransom, the judgment, it comes unexpectedly. It comes without any warning. It suddenly is. The Lord is telling us, because of your arrogance and your pride, because of your murder of the babies and the abortions, because of your warfare in many other nations where you have deliberately destroyed even democracies, I remember Iran, the Shah, was put in power by America. And when America got tired of the Shah, the CIA destroyed him and caused his death. And look what we have now in Iran. All of that came about because of the wickedness of U.S. policy. Look what we have done in Afghanistan. Libya, the nations we could identify, look what we've done in the Ukraine and in many other nations in the world, all for our own pleasure, our own military-industrial complex. Look at what we're doing now with I won't call it pandemic. It's a scamdemic. Look what we've done with the COVID shots. We will find that more people will die from the COVID shots than have died from COVID. It's clear now, the evidence, the scientific evidence is clear, that these so-called vaccines offer no protection. If you take the time to do the research and you don't just believe the mainstream media that is full of lies, it's time for us to open our eyes, to examine our behavior. And the American church is in full-blown apostasy. And it's time for us as a church to recognize that in fact we are the very apple of God's eye. He loves his church. But because of the wanton sin of the church, America has become Babylon and will face horrible judgments and the death of many. There are some who say, oh, America is going to have a revival and, and repent. And the judgments of God don't, won't fall upon America. We're too late. There's nothing we can do now to avert the judgments of God. They are now falling upon America and in many other places in the world. And the judgments are because of wickedness of witchcraft, of worshiping, as the Hindus do in India, animals, bullocks, cows. It's an abomination before the Lord for nations to worship animals or the sky. In Europe, the worship of nature is becoming very prominent. And now that is also coming in America, where you find people who call themselves green witches. The YouTube channels are full of of nature worshipers. All of this is an utter abomination before God. And while all of this evil is flooding forth, this vile, uprising of perversion and sexual immorality, of lying and cheating, the government being given over to utter wickedness. While all of that's going, the church has become a wanton creature, only concerned about its success, only concerned about its business of church, building magnificent, facilities for their mega church, for their business, hiring pastors who will do what the flesh wants, not what the spirit desires. I heard about a mega church who was searching for a new pastor. I wondered what would happen if I submitted a resume for the Apostle Paul. I wonder whether they would inquire about this man and see if he would like to come and pastor their megachurch. I can guarantee you they they would not even consider it. They would not even look at his resume. They would throw it away instantly and say, we don't want this kind of man. He would destroy our church. And they're right. The worldly church would be eviscerated if the Apostle Paul stood in the pulpit for just one Sunday because we know what he would preach. We know what Jesus would preach. We know what Peter and John would preach. They would all preach the same thing, repentance. There's a passage of scripture that has been a favorite of mine for many years. I used to open the broadcast with this scripture. I want to read it for you. It's found in Isaiah, the 55th chapter. This scripture touches my heart. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. Verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will freely pardon. We have a God who speaks very clearly. He does not speak in riddles. His word is very clean and sharp. He's saying that the wicked must leave their ways and the evil. And he's speaking here to his people. He's not speaking to pagans, he's speaking to his people. And he's saying the wicked among his people must forsake his way, and the evil man must forsake his thoughts. And he must turn to the Lord, and the Lord will have mercy and will freely pardon. Well, what are, what are our ways? Our ways are our habits, our ways of doing things, where we go, our habits of spending, what we like to do in our spare time what our goals are at work and how we function at work and whether we're representing Jesus in that place. Whether we're lifting up Jesus Christ or whether we're lifting up our own agenda of prosperity, friendship with the world, desiring to be thought of as successful as somebody. And our thoughts... Our thoughts, yes, the train of things that run through our mind, the sexual impurity, the lust, the bitterness, the anger, the unforgiveness, those secret thoughts that we hold about one another. He's saying they make you evil. You must leave those thoughts. So what does he mean when he says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Come those of you who have some hunger in your heart for something much deeper, for something that's real, for something that will result in Jesus coming into your life and transforming you and changing you and restoring you to his image. And come without money. But you're going to have to buy and you're going to have to eat. Well, how can you buy if you don't have any money? Well, because you're the currency. You're the currency. You turn away from your wicked ways and your evil thoughts. You come and you buy not not just common drink, You come and buy the very best. You come and buy wine and milk. You come and buy wine and milk. Now, there's another place in Scripture where this question is addressed. I want to share it with you. In Revelation, the seventh chapter, we find a message a church that is found in Laodicea. And Jesus comes to speak to the pastor of this church. And the message is very clear. He identifies himself as the faithful and true witness and the ruler of God's creation. That is, in the Hebrew He is the source of God's creation. Jesus was and is the creator God. Colossians, the first chapter, Hebrews, the first chapter, and the Gospel of John, the first chapter, all identify Jesus as fully God. And they identify him as the creator of heaven and earth. That everything was created for Jesus and by Jesus, for his own good pleasure. Now, he begins speaking to this last-day church by saying, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. I know what you do. Judgment is coming upon America. Judgment and sudden destruction are coming because of what we have done and what we are doing as a nation. Judgment is coming because of our sin before a holy God. Now, you can say, oh, pastor, I am saved by faith. And yes, I'll agree with you. You are saved by faith. You are saved from sin by faith. You are saved because you now leave your sin and you no longer walk in it. I am saved by faith because... Jesus, by the power of his blood, enters into my life and washes and cleanses me and makes me into a new creature that no longer walks in wicked deeds. He's saying, I know your deeds. I know what you do. That You're neither cold nor hot. Now, it's obvious that he is speaking here not to pagans. He is speaking to people who call themselves Christ followers. And he's addressing these Christ followers as being lukewarm. That is, they have lost their first love. That is, they have become like the world. They love the things of the world. They love the ways of the world. They are not separate from the world. They dress like the world They pursue the sports of the world. They pursue the entertainment of the world. They pursue the success of the world. Their eyes are not on the kingdom of Jesus. Their goal is not to build his kingdom. Their goal is to build their own kingdom, and they use the gospel of Jesus to comfort them in the midst of their wickedness. He says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, please hear me. We have this imagination that everything is going to continue as it is now. It's not. We are facing the most dire circumstances that America has ever faced in its history. We are but short days away from a total financial collapse of the economy of this nation. May I put it very bluntly to you. America is broke. We are without money. The only money America has is what it falsely creates on the computer. We have no money. We are broke. And the debt has never been higher than it is now in any nation in the history of the world. We are about to enter hyperinflation, where a loaf of bread could cost $100. We are going to have sudden, unexpected judgment. That will fall upon our land. And we will see that judgment in storms, in volcanoes, in hurricanes, tornadoes. We will see our coastlands inundated with the ocean. Yes. When I was a boy, I remember in the library, I looked in a magazine that looked interesting to me. It was called The New Yorker. And I was most fascinated by all of the cartoons. And one of the cartoons that caught my eye was the picture of a man dressed as an Old Testament prophet and a beard, and he was holding a sign And the sign said, the end of the world. And the world pointed at it and chuckled and laughed and said, these stupid Christians. But now, it's Mother Earth, the most recent copy. My brother called me last night and shared with me what Mother Earth is saying, a secular magazine. NBC, ABC, CBS, the lying media of America, even they are warning. The government itself is warning, put food away. We are going to see famine come to America. Of course, the alternate news that sometimes speaks fantasy, but other times speaks the truth. They also are warning with top economists saying, like Martin Armstrong and others, who are saying, we are at the tipping point and your dollars will soon be of zero value. I remember when I was driving my first Volkswagen I was in college I remember the cost of gasoline it was 18 cents a gallon and then it actually went up to 21 cents and 24 cents a gallon and I thought it was the end of the world I thought wow that's expensive gas Now gas in California is running over $4 a gallon. And it's going to go much, much higher. Crude oil is already well over $70 a barrel and going much higher. Oil is the lifeblood of the military industrial complex. It will be propped up regardless of the consequences. When I look at what's happening in America, I look at the cost of, of homes. I look at the cost of cars, the cost of lumber, the cost of food. I'm paying double for avocados what I was paying just one year ago. Less than a year ago. But we've seen nothing yet. As catastrophic events begin to happen in America, many are going to be swept away in judgment. When the Lord speaks here to the church at Laodicea, and he says, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, he's not going to warn us and say, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. No, it'll just be done. It'll just be done. And there will be no opportunity to repent there will be no opportunity to turn aside from sin. The judgment of God will fall suddenly and you will lose your life. You will lose your family. You will lose everything. You will be swept away. Now the Lord is warning you, I'm about to sweep you away. And the destruction will be quick. And it will be final. And you will go to the judgment bar of God and find that your name was erased from the Lamb's book of life. If there was ever a time to be terrified, now would be a good time to be terrified. Unless you're hot for Jesus. You're on fire for Jesus. I want to share with you, Jesus gives us very clear direction. First, he tells us, You don't realize you're wretched and pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You don't know your true condition. That's what's happening in America. The church does not recognize its true condition. I'll be honest, I have struggled much with this question before the Lord. And I'll share with you in a minute what he says about this, but I have begged him, in every respect, show me my true condition, Lord. Don't let me be deceived by some idea that I'm good to go, I'm comfortable. I want to warn you, if you're an American or you're westernized, and you think, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, I'm good to go. Don't fool yourself. Search your heart. Look at your ways. Look at your thoughts. Identify what's really going on in your life. Do you have any known sin you're walking in? Are you walking in pride or arrogance? Are you walking in the lust for the things of the devil? Do you enjoy the things of the world? Or is your heart utterly given over to Jesus and you hate sin and you hate the ways of darkness? I'm going to share what Jesus says to do to change this wretched condition into something beautiful for him. I counsel you, buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. Well, we learn in Jeremiah six twenty nine and 30. We find in 1 Peter 1, 6 to 7 that he's talking about faith. He's saying, take some specific concrete actions that will test your faith. That seem utterly foolish to you in the physical realm. This last week, before the beginning of the month, before we were covered with the cost for radio, I received a text from a, a mother, a single mother with a child, and she said, Pastor, She listens to the broadcast. She said, Pastor, I can't cover my rent this month. What am I going to do? I'm praying. I'm waiting on Jesus. I text her back. I didn't have the money for radio yet. How could I give her the money she needed for rent? Well, I went to the prayer closet and I prayed. And after prayer, I was very clear about what course I needed to pursue. I was to send that mother the money for rent so they would not be evicted. Now, others also wrote to me and asked for help, and I was not able to help everyone. But the Lord was very clear in this case, help this mother with this child. Don't let them be evicted from their apartment. Well, to do that stretched me in my faith. Faith only grows by stretching Faith only grows by walking in obedience to what the Holy Spirit whispers to your heart about what you should be doing with your money, with your time, and with your energy. And as you give out of your time, your energy, and your money, you give beyond your comfort zone at the command of the Lord. I'm not suggesting you do anything out of the flesh. If you do, you will hang. I'm saying take it to the Lord and get a clear word of direction and then act on it. Act according to what the Holy Spirit prompts you to do and as you reach out and you care for the poor. And I'm very grateful this last month one of you sent a very generous check and you said, For the poor. I didn't ask for that. I didn't suggest that. But the Lord knew that need was coming. It was not enough to cover the whole rent bill, but it made a substantial difference. But what I'm saying is that as the Holy Spirit tries to break through our spiritual numbness and deadness and wretchedness, one of the ways he does that is by asking us to do things that seem impossible. Now, please, there is the spirit realm and there is the physical realm. What we do in the physical realm impacts the spirit realm these are two separate realms the father the scriptures say is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth that means there are things we must do in the physical realm in truth that will allow us in the spirit to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. As long as you are fat and happy and comfortable and you don't risk anything to help others, the Lord cannot reach your heart. I'm not talking about giving somebody a $5 bill who's waiting at the street corner begging. I'm talking about going above and beyond anything you can imagine and giving that. One man, by faith, sold an extra truck. Another person, by faith, took an extra job. Another person, by faith, gave to this broadcast and that's why we're still on the air because people stepped out in faith beyond what they could afford to do now i'm not trying to get you to give to this broadcast i'm trying to talk to you about a principle of reality where you wait before the lord you see the need You wait before the Lord for his direction regarding that and you give by faith, standing by faith in what Jesus is asking you to do and watching as he provides for you. And as you walk by faith, your faith is stretched. I have lived now for more than 30 years without a salary. For 30 years, I've walked in a covenant the Lord asked me to make. And that covenant was, will you receive only from my hand what I choose to give you? And I said, yes, having no idea what I was saying. And I have been sorely tested on this issue. And I have at times received because I reached out and took, not trusting the Lord, and it has brought me incredible suffering and anguish and pain in my life to such a degree that I will never again reach out and take a hold of anyone or anything except as it is given to me by Jesus This issue of being wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked can only be broken by giving. Now, the second step, he says, to buy white clothes to wear. We know that the white clothes... From Revelation 19.8, represent righteous actions that we must take. Righteous decisions about the physical world that we must make. I made a decision this morning in the physical realm that seems utterly foolish to me. It cost me money. It cost me time and it cost me energy. It was an action, a high-risk action that I needed to take. It took me some time in the prayer closet. But when I was clear that God was asking me to take that risk, I took it. Now, I don't have the result from that high-risk Action that I took in the physical realm. It may bring me scorn and trouble. And if it does, that's okay. But what taking that action has done in my heart is exposed fears that are residing in my heart that God wants to get a hold of and pull out of me. And so I have rebuked My fear, I will do what Jesus tells me to do, even if it is not to my advantage, and results in my being persecuted and scorned. If you do not risk your money, if you do not risk actions of obedience to the Holy Spirit, you will never identify the true condition of your heart. And your nakedness before God will not be covered. And sudden destruction is going to come upon you and your family. And finally, he said, by salve to put on your eyes so you can see. John fourteen fifteen to 21, it's very clear. It's Holy Spirit. You've got to take the actions you need to take in time in the prayer closet in time in the in the reading of scripture in the time of listening to the honest preaching of the word and you must take action you must take action and Lisa on the chat line is asking, what is a high-risk action? A high-risk action is something that will cause you anguish and pain if God does not bless it. Something you cannot afford. Above and beyond what you can afford. And Lisa is right. Sin is is a high-risk action, and that we do not want to take. Obedience to God looks like a high-risk action, but it is not a high-risk action because God will move in power, and he will use the sacrifice of your heart to build his kingdom. If what you are doing is to build your kingdom, it is sin. If what you are doing in your business, in your relationships, friendships with your children, if what you are doing is risking everything to build them in the kingdom of God, he will bless that. I hear people say, Pastor, I can't afford an hour a day to pray. Sorry. If you cannot afford an hour to pray, you will never find out what risk God wants you to take. And you will simply walk in your own flesh. And you will take actions that provide for yourself and your kingdom. And sudden destruction is going to come upon you. And the judgment of God will fall on you. He says in verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. Jesus comes to that door either to enter into fellowship with you or to pass judgment upon you. And it will depend on what you do with your time, your energy, and your money. It will depend on whether you continue to pursue wicked ways and wicked thoughts or whether you are willing to leave those thoughts and to leave those ways and I will tell you honestly here Billy Graham used to say this. I think he's right. Sexual sin is man's last frontier. That's what he would say. Because the desire for love is so deeply embedded in our hearts. That some of you will do things that are utterly wrong before a holy God and you will build relationships that are utterly ungodly and you stand before God unwilling to risk what would happen if you cleaned that relationship up. You would rather just sit in your sin Some of you are living with someone and being sexually active. You're not married to them. You're shacked up with somebody you're not married to. You're walking in sin. The judgments of God are about to fall upon you. The wrath of God is about to come. Some of you are using your money to build your own kingdom and to beautify your own world. Some of you are buying the jewelry and the makeup and the clothes because you want to be recognized as somebody important. You want to be oohed and awed over. You're building your own kingdom. You're fat and happy. You say, I, you know, I've got everything. You know, it's amazing. I ask a wife, would you buy your husband for his birthday? She said, Pastor, How can I buy my husband anything? He's got everything he wants, and he has enough money he can go get whatever he wants. I said, whoa, you're in trouble, aren't you? And your husband's in trouble. You're fat and happy. You don't need a thing. You can't even identify a gift that your husband could possibly want. Are you kidding me? Where is your hunger for the kingdom of God? Where is your hunger for the salvation of souls? I have Christians who actually consider themselves to be wonderful Christians, who shed no tears for the lost, who shed no tears for pagans. How is that possible? Because they're fat and happy. They don't know their wretched condition before a holy and righteous God. They have no interest in building the kingdom of God. They have built their own kingdom and they have their own comfort. They have their house and their car and their clothes. They've got everything going for them. My, my. He says, To who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, the devil was overcome in the desert by Jesus. He was overcome constantly after that. Jesus was an overcomer. He was not a sinner, but he was an overcomer. And you and I must be overcomers, and we must leave our wicked ways. The judgments of God are about to fall on this nation. famine. People are going to die soon from hunger in America. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You hear what the Spirit of God is saying to you? What are you going to do with this message? I urge you to go back and listen to it again. I urge you to pray and consider what risk God is calling you to make with your money, your time, and your energy. I urge you to look carefully at your actions and determine whether your actions are for your own kingdom or whether they are actions for the building of the kingdom of God. And I urge you to plead with the Holy Spirit to give you eyes that see. It says that Jesus comes to convict us. He comes to teach us. Will you let Jesus convict you and teach you the way of righteousness? Almighty God, I plead today for your mercy for America, for the American church I plead Lord that you would come in mighty power that you would give us the courage to begin walking by faith that you would give us the courage to renounce our sinful ways and to seek your face with all of our hearts to repent Thank you, Lord, I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, I would love to hear from many of you. Thank you, those of you who have been giving. Thank you, dear brother. I got your letter yesterday. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, two. One nine five. That's the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 You're also welcome to go to our webpage nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Talk to you,
0: sir.